This is the 911 Calls Podcast with the operator and his trusty junior assistant, Mr. Luna. Hill County 911, what's your emergency? I just killed my children. Excuse me? I just killed my children. Where are you? Hey, uh, hey, Luna. Yeah. You, you got a second? No, not really. But I, but I got some. You got to listen to this. What the the thing you're trying to? I don't want to do this podcast. No. We already have enough going on, man. It's gonna be an award winner. Uh, uh, wow. I'm 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 gonna hit play on what? You're, I don't have time. for You got it. It's it's the new nine one one. 911 phone calls podcast. Oh my god. You ready? No. We're doing this. Okay. Here we go. I'm hitting play. Hill County 911, what's your emergency? I just killed my children. Excuse me? I just killed my children. Where are you? Um, I'm in the abandoned house on Highway 77 right after you go underneath the highway. One of them's still alive. Hurry. How? Under what highway? You're on Highway 77. Where? I'm on Highway 77, right after you go under 35, going towards Milford. Get an ambulance out here to save the one that didn't die. Come on. Hurry up. What's your name? Bitch, call them. Have you already called them? Yes, ma'am, I have. Okay. All right. So... Let me bring you up to speed on what's going on on this call. Please. Other than the fact that I don't think it's good to call 911 and then say, bitch, call them. Yeah. I don't think that gets them to move quick. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, She seemed very curt. She doesn't seem very alarmed. It's almost like um, she's defeated in some strange way. I I have no idea. I don't know what's going on here at all, but uh, did she say that her children were dying? Here's the backstory. So this happened in 2009, in uh, June of 2009. Um, this is Deborah Jeter, and she was calling 911 from an abandoned house where she had lured her two children, her own daughters, aged 12 and 13, into this old abandoned house by telling them that she had a surprise for them and then lured them into the house and then cut both of their throats. Okay. All right. And now, okay. She's called. So I want to be very clear here. Yes, we're in the lair. Yes, I did just walk down. I don't don't do very well with 911 calls. I don't like to listen to them. I can look at crime scene photos. I could look at crime scene photos. I could do all that other stuff. But when I hear the people speaking, I, it's hard for me to even press play. So this is against my will, truly. I have not heard this. Um, the And that's no joke. I have not heard this. The operator has dragged me into this. This is not contrived. 
That's why this is going to be award-winning. This is like Pulitzer Prize territory okay. here. All right. We're breaking the fourth wall. Right. Okay, so Derek Jeter, I thought that he, he was doing well after retirement, but apparently... Debra. Oh, Debra. Debra Jeter. She had two daughters. So Debra, she was going through a pretty heavy separation with her husband. And just prior to this incident... Her two daughters were in the custody of her currently, at the time, estranged husband. And they were going through this heavy separation. And she says that the the reason that all this happened was because she was very heartbroken about the separation. She knew that there was an upcoming custody battle that was going to be very difficult for everyone. So she decided to take matters into her own hands, she said. Okay. All right. And so and that meant taking her two young children. What were their ages again? I'm sorry. 12 and 13? 12, 12 and 13. So right before the 911 call, she lures their, her two children into the house. By the way, this, this is just so sad. The day before this, one of her daughters posted on Facebook, I get to see my mom tomorrow. Yay. Huh. And then all this happens. So just before the 911 call, she lures them into the house and then she cuts both of their throats. Uh Her older daughter dies immediately. Like she's dead very quickly. But her younger daughter isn't dying quick and is pleading for her life, saying she wants to live. So her mother decides she changes her mind and decides to call 911. But as you can tell by how the call is already starting, she's like not all there. I mean, well, she sounded to me like she didn't give a shit. It was kind of like she was throwing it out there like, "Come on, bitch, get him over here. I don't even really want to be calling, but I guess I'm doing this now." I'm looking at these photos you have up here. Are these the these are the little girls obviously, Kelsey? They are. Yes. Kelsey is 12 years old and we have Kirsten Yes. To clarify, you're looking at photos of them not dead. Oh, jeez. Yeah, don't look at the Do you have them? Okay. Okay, well, don't show me that, please. I mean... They're in the that WTF folder on Karen. Do not... I won't click on that. Don't log into Karen and don't look at the WTF folder. I won't. Let me explain to the audience then if we're doing this that Kelsey is a very cute little girl, 12 years old, like you said... Uh, fair skin, uh, uh, red hair, glasses, big smile from what I'm seeing, sweetheart. You're telling me she's the one who survived here, or at least the one who is not dead yet in this call? Correct. The, the, the younger of the two, yes. And then we have Kirsten, who is the oldest sister, very sweet-looking girl as well. Okay. And it looks like they have a father, like he mentioned as well. I don't like this. I don't like this. You ready for me to push play again? Yep. All right, here we go. I need your name. I don't want to say your name. Hello? Hello. Are you still there? Yes, I'm still here. Seven toward Milford. Right after you cross under the bridge, she's telling me she killed her children. Are you in your car? 
No, I'm not in my car. I'm in the house walking around. And um, one of them's still alive for real. She's asking to be saved, and I couldn't handle that. And so now she, she's in an abandoned house. It's been a long time. She might already die because she's let out a lot. And all right. So, couple observations here. <laughs> okay. Like, if I've got it, I'm trying really hard here to try to peg down the mindset of this mother. So, Luna, let me ask you: Under which conditions do you suddenly stop talking about your children as like humans? And start calling them the one and the other one, okay. and w- that one's dead, but the other one. I mean, what's what? She, I can't quite. I can't quite put myself into that mode. Well, neither can I. I mean, I I can when it doesn't come to my own children. Um, I can't. I, honestly, I can't even think of a real example about the way she's speaking right here. But I can tell you what I think that she's feeling. She was committed. She clearly, I don't know why she was doing this, obviously. We're not there. Um, She is uh, very matter-of-fact about this. What's bothering me right now is that she's let this happen for a while. She's saying she's almost bled out. You better hurry. She was pleading for her life so much that I just couldn't end up doing it. So, obviously, the older one she was able to kill right away by cutting her throat, right? With a knife is what's happening here. And Yes. And then her youngest, she cut her throat, and she she's bleeding out, but she's still speaking to her, and she was able to convince her to let her live, get her help, and the mom had some humanity left. And it's almost like she's like, I guess. I guess I got to do that. I mean, I've done enough. Maybe killing one of my daughter. One of her daughters has brought her to a point. It's amazing to me how matter of fact she is. Now that she's she is no she has killed the one. If you ever seen a dead body op, and I know you have, you imagine looking at your child's dead body, and then your other one is is suffering, and this is the tone she's taking on the line. Like she's just barely having enough humanity to call. I guess. Bitch. Go ahead. Bitch. Get them here to me, bitch. Shut up. Just get them out here. Uh, you're lucky. They're, she's lucky I'm even calling. This is terrible. Okay, so I'll give you a little insight into what she says, what Deborah said. So after, I'll fast forward. She was obviously caught, right? I mean, they showed up. She didn't run or nothing. She was there. So after her trial, she actually talked to her husband again, Lee Jeter, and he said that Deborah told him that the reason she attacked Kirsten and her younger sister, Kelsey, was because she was heartbroken over the couple's separation and the subsequent custody fight. She figured, she said, if she felt that way, that we must all feel that way. And she wanted to take away all of our pain. Okay. Okay. So he, that's what she said. So far, though... Is it checking the boxes because she wanted to take away their pain, right? Eileen Wernos comes to mind. She was legit crazy and she was committed to what she believed. You know, we know other people who when they're when they are that mentally ill, they are committed to the cause. They mm-hmm. and they will they will preach about it. Mm-hmm. 
But nothing she's saying, like the way she's acting and everything, does not tell me she's looking to free her children from pain. No, no. I would have finished the job if <laughs> I think someone in that in that situation that was mentally ill like that, mm -hmm. if she was really looking to finish to relieve their pain, she would have not wanted to see her daughter suffer. Mm -hmm. She would she would have done everything she could to stop that pain. Yes. Well, this is a very selfish act, obviously, and her talking about taking away her daughter's pain or because of the situation is all bull****. This is about inflicting pain, obviously, and with the information you just gave me, she's trying to inflict pain on her, her now estranged partner by killing their children, which is clearly what's going on here. But at some point in this mental break that she's had, her humanity, to a very small degree that we're hearing right here on this call, has been restored through her daughter begging for her life after she slit her throat. Good for her, I guess, for finding herself, barely finding herself. Honestly, I think that... Okay, I've got a, I've got a theory on why she did this, but I'll, I'll tell you, I'll explain it after we listen to a little bit more of this call. Okay. But, but I, I will go as far as to say that I'm not quite sure I would say humanity kicked in here. I would say that there is some primitive mother wiring that kicked in where she, I, I think she's actually reluctant. Mm -hmm. At this point, I think she's reluctant to allow her daughter to live, but I think she's lost all control. This is off the rails. Well, yes. Well, when you know when she said calls her bitch, it's almost what she's saying through that aggression. You're lucky I'm even calling. Yes. And you, even my daughter on the phone, you're lucky I'm even doing this. And I think that she's almost regretting as the call goes on. Yes. She's not saying this, but she's like, she's like, do you want me to hang the phone up and finish her off? Yes. Get him here. I don't want to talk about it. It's happening. You're lucky we're even here is what I'm feeling, which is still a bit, she's, this is very scary. All I'm thinking about while I'm listening to it is about the girl laying on the floor, about her daughter laying on the floor, bleeding out, knowing that her mother had just killed her older sister. I'd be interested to know, do you know anything about uh, later on whether or not they fought or how she got to them, how she was able to cut the one's throat, get to them? Were they fighting her? What, did, did it happen very quickly? Do you know any of that? Yeah, it was very quickly. It, it was very quickly, and the other daughter was in a sense of shock. This is horrible. Uh, they, sorry to cut in here, but I'm reminded of something. My son, who's been sick recently, trying to force medication onto him, and him fighting me off just, just to push Tylenol into his mouth is hard. I can't imagine having killed my older son first with a knife across his throat and then the other one being in shock and scared and knowing that the same thing could, could happen to them and then doing it to them. I mean, this is... Uh, um, this is a little bit different than, than a lot of the other cases that, I, that, I've, that I've read about or... I haven't covered any of them, but listened to another true crime podcast where a mom drives the kids into a lake or, you know, whatever else. This this, this is a this is a lot different. She, she changed her mind. Yes, she did. Well, okay. I will go as far as to say this. I think we're dealing with I I don't use this word loosely. I think we're dealing with a woman who is stupid. Yeah. I think I think she had her plan ended at abandoned house kill kid. The case you're talking about where the mother is driving kids into the pond. Mm. 
She's got A to Z figured out before she even hits the gas pedal. Yes. This gal, she's talking to the 911 operator as if she's like mid Ocean's 12 yeah. casino bank robber and she's still like got it all together. Like, I'm not going to tell you my name. I'm not going to tell you anything. You know, nah. To, to what you just said, she's on LMNOP. She had A to Z figure out and she's stuck on LMNOP and she's about to go to QRS unless you get them here quick. Yeah. Yeah. And you know where she's going to end up? F. <laughs> I hope so. I hope it's not one of these cases where we um, end up having it explained to us. Um, I've talked to, to you about this before where it's like just because somebody has mental illness or just because they have a psychotic break and, and there's some kind of um, reason that they that they throw out or explanation for what they did, that does, should not immediately equate to an excuse. That's not an excuse. There's a reason for everything. Right. When 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 uh, Richard Speck or, or a guy like Richard Speck, uh, not Richard Speck, but a guy like Richard Speck is looking at his window all day and he's like one of these guys, like an incel and he can't get a girl and he lives across the street from say um, a college dorm and he's spending all his day drinking and smoking cigarettes and doing drugs and looking at them with binoculars and then one night it becomes too much he goes over and murders a whole sorority house that can't the excuse can't be that he was drinking and he didn't have a girlfriend and in court they might say like yeah this guy was driven to it because of the way he was treated by other women and, and he became psychotic and sure he has he has he has name it whatever his mental illness is fine that's fine but there, there's a reason for everything that doesn't make it immediately an excuse and I hope that her excuse doesn't end up or sorry her reasoning doesn't end up being an excuse in the court system where she uh, someone like this should be Executed. I think this this is a woman who she hasn't even thought through. Okay, now I gotta act crazy. Like she she's literally doing this with no plan. I don't think she had. Okay, but but the fact that she brought them to an abandoned house uh, says that there's a plan to me because it looked like to, to me. What I'll ask you, what do you think the plan would be to bring your two children? To, why to an abandoned house? Okay, so like I said, I, I think the plan ended with. A band, like Z in her head like I, I thought I think she believed that she could start this and then just like write it as as it went right because I don't think she had a plan beyond abandoned house kill kids like because obviously this this is not panning out if she had thought this through more I think there would not have been a 911 call my assumption because she actually never said but my assumption is, and I, I believe actually you mentioned this previous and I agree with you, is that she was doing abandoned house and killing her kids to make it look like a kidnapping or, or something gone awry. Definitely. That's that. And that's premeditation. So like, right. she, this, this wasn't just like they were in the tub and she decided to dunk both their heads underneath the water because she was sick of doing the laundry. This is like she brought them to this house and was trying to set up a kidnapping murder situation. Yes. Anyways. Yeah, said she had a surprise for them. Ah. Wow. All right, you ready for me to hit play? Ah. Yeah. All right. Right after a quick commercial break, we got to pay the bills. All right, here we go. Hold on. What, baby? Ready for 
Okay, well, I've got, we've got people in round. Get, get an ambulance, because one of them's still alive, she said. Can you tell me what happened? Ma'am? Hello? Ma'am? Can you tell me what happened? I can't get the door open. You can't get what door open, darling? The front door, but y'all can come in. I'll get here. Why won't it open? I don't know. Hold on. Are you on the right hand side of the road or the left hand side of the road, sweetie? Okay, they're coming. They're coming. I just, I would just want to try to clarify, clarify exactly where they are. Can you tell me what happened? I don't want to say. I don't see any lights. Well, they're on their way. My partner's getting getting them to you just as quickly as she can. How many? How many children do you have? Huh? Two? One of them is dead. She's dead, dead. But the other one, she wants to be saved. And I'm, she needs to be saved. And I don't see any lights. Tell them to get the fuck out here. Honey, they're coming. They're coming. Do you have any weapons? Um, I do. I have a knife. She has a knife. Did I throw it away? No, ma'am. Just, just put it in. She's got a knife. It's a curry. Okay. Tell her we're on our way. She won't give me. Can you not tell me what your name is? What? Huh? What's your name, darling? I'm not telling you my name. I kind of lost the door. How old are your children? Hold on. What's that? Hurry up. Honey, they are coming. They're on their way. You should be hearing lights and sirens. Seeing lights and hearing sirens. Are you there? Yes. Are you still with me? Hello? They they're on their way, sweetheart. They had to come from different parts of the county. Hold on, kid, they're coming. Tell them not to shoot me, I don't have a gun. Okay. She doesn't want to get shot because she doesn't have a gun. So a couple things. I think our uh, the, the the presumption that we have is starting to play out. I I don't think that there is a space between being a mother and being crazy where you are talking as coherent as she is talking and you tell the officer operator hold on what baby while you're talking to your daughter that you just tried to kill on the floor and you're like what was that what was that darling right 
Can, can I? Can, yes, I hear you. Can I say something about the nine one one operator's performance here? And if we're going to continue doing this podcast, I'd like to talk a lot about the performance of the of the nine one one operator themselves a little bit too. Yes, <clears throat> I think she's doing a poor job, uh, but she's trying. Uh, in, that, in that piece, she was she was she was trying to get get her wits about her, but she was being kind of combative with her because of the attitude coming towards her from from Jeter, and you can't do that. Where is the call? Where is where is the call on the nine one one operator's side to ask her? Can you get can you get a tourniquet? Can you get a cloth? Can you get something to stem the? She said she was bleeding out. Why why is she putting her into a medical mode? Why is she supporting her as a mother rather than treating her like the perpetrator that she clearly is? Because that's what she's doing. She's almost provoking her. There's almost an argument going on between these two ladies, like a disrespect feeling on the operator's side, like ma'am. We're doing the best we can, ma'am. Can you calm down? Like, don't, 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 don't do that. You, you need to focus on the kid, and you need to. Tr- and she starts saying, calling her darling and stuff, but that feels almost like patronizing her, and that's not good in this situation where the mom was trying to kill this kid, and maybe you're going to provoke her to finish her and run out the door. I, I so that's been that's bothering me that she has not yet told her to to given her any advice hey ma'am i understand that what's happened here it's a mistake that you made now we need to focus on your child now we need to help your child why isn't the focus on helping this child the focus is more on just like the, this conversation trying to get her name and trying to figure out why this come on the kid's bleeding out on the floor that's give her some medical attention if we truly want to help her out here that's it that's a good point um let me ask you this i and i'll i will i'll ask karen if you don't know the answer to this, but do you know, do you know, like she's on call? She's like Siri. Um, do, do you know, like, when did 911 come into effect? Like, when was that something that started? Well, I've been wrong about this before. I think it was in the late 80s, but I remember driving th- or being driven through my, my childhood home downtown and seeing a big banner saying, you have an emergency? Call 911. And this was probably in like 1988 or something like that. So I don't know. Okay. We can ask Karen. I- I'll take a guess. I think that 911 probably came in around 1984, I would guess. You want to ask Karen? Yeah, you you say 84. I'll say 82. Karen, when did uh, 911 start? In 1968, AT&T announced that it would establish the digits 911 as the emergency code throughout the United States. By 1979, approximately 26% of the population of the United States had 911 service. By 1987, 50% of the U.S. population had access, and it wasn't until nearly the year 2000 that roughly 93% of the U.S. had some form of the 911 service. No, oh, okay. All right. So I guess we could say then by 1987, it was starting to have a good foothold in the U.S., but it wasn't, man, until until like almost the year 2000 before like, yeah. You could confidently say that 
pretty much everyone in the U.S. had some kind of 911 access. That's crazy. So I was born in 1980, and there were times around like 1984, 85, where I I had to to call 9-1-1, well, the police uh, to get help or whatever. And I remember it being like a number, like a number that was on like a board or, or whoever I was asking to call had to look the number up. It wasn't just as simple as calling 911. And when I told that story before, I had people come back to me like, no, no, it was it was it was happening before them, but no, it wasn't prevalent because for me driving through town uh, in the vehicle I was in and seeing you can call 911 my small mind when I was a kid I would have been around 7 years old at that point was thinking I remember clearly thinking that would have been nice yeah you know like that's 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 better I'm glad they're doing that I remember having that thought to myself so yeah man Anyways, what was the point? What was the point about asking? Well, the, okay, so so what I was going to say is I I agree. Okay, so here's the interesting thing: you you and I, and everyone, just we we take for granted the fact that this is an evolving service. You know, we figure nine one one. It's like call nine one one emergency. Somebody says beep boop, cops come. Everyone's okay. So interesting here. So earlier on in the UK, actually not too long ago even, the UK has a has a, an emergency service as well. But they actually implemented this thing in their in their calls. The operator was required to say, if you can't say anything, dial five five. And I think there were other iterations of it. But here's what's interesting is that there were there were there were crimes that happened where they found that that was not effective because even that was 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 not working you know so the the silent caller was forwarded to another operator where they would listen for a little while and then either make the judgment call to stay on and and try to locate or hang up so i guess my what i'm getting at here is in 2009 this was still something that was evolving as far as as far as operators and what they are required to do that we were in currently especially in this case we were in an era where it was not it was not part and parcel to an operator's uh, wheelhouse. To to they were not trained. They were not trained to right. to offer emergency medical services via the phone. Sure, I'm sure it evolves, uh, um, and also so so does the individual. Uh, I mean, here, here's here's the overriding thing that's bothering me about this call, and it bothers me it bothers me a lot about a lot of nine one 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 calls. One 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 calls is that you need to remain, if ever, you need to remain objective. It's in these situations. And I'm feeling off of this 911 operator, even though I'm sure she does a good enough job, that she's being subjective in the beginning and and actually posed a threat to exasperate the situation uh, by her attitude in the beginning. Like she called her bitch, right? And you could feel her kind of react to that. And it's like, okay, bitch, like you're the one who called me. I'm the one who's going to be able to get you and your daughter help. It's like, no, that's not the attitude. The, the attitude has to be objective. There's a little girl dying on the floor. One's dead. You're dealing with a murderer right now. And you need to put her into, you need to give her tasks. You need, you need to get, make her busy 
rather than just kind of almost arguing with her through it, man. Like this is this is like we're, they're walking on a tightrope right here. I would even go as far as to say that just the process of trying to give her tasks to save would be telling as to whether what her true intentions right. were. If she gave her said, "Okay, you need to do this." If she refused to do, okay. There's so much speculation that could be had here, but recall in the call, she's talking and then she's like, why won't the front door open? Why won't the fr-? I don't think she was opening the front door so that people could get there because the, the operator had just said, can you tell me what happened? I think that at that moment, she's like, I don't have a good idea here. I'm bolting. I think she was trying to get out of the house. Right. I, I also think she was trying to change the subject and just, just thinking, you know, maybe the door was yes. fairly easy. She was just trying to, she couldn't collect her thoughts to answer. Yes. She couldn't answer the question appropriately. Buying time. Man, I wanted to be a 911 operator. I was about to go through it before with Dark Topic. I feel like I would have been pretty good at it, but man, that what what pressure. What pressure on these calls, man. I think you have to have ice in your veins yeah. and a well that is bottomless as far as empathy. Because there's it, there's an interesting thing. You, you, if you ever watch Mindhunter or read sure. about that or look into those guys that do those, when they, they say when you interview a killer, you can't use words like, you can't ask questions like when you murdered them, mm-hmm. when you killed, you know, you can't be accusatory. And that takes like a whole different set of like yes. wiring. Yes. to stay unobjective. It's interesting. As we listen to this, you'll hear the operator do a couple things that I think was actually good where she's talking to the girl in on the phone. She's talking to Deborah, and she says, like, sweetie. Yes. Which, Darling. in the beginning, it seemed like she was patronizing, but at, toward the end, it's like, wow, that would be really hard to say anything like that to someone who, and you can tell, the lady on the, the operator, she's a little older. She probably has kids, probably has grandkids. Right. So you either drop all of your filters, your motherly grandmother filters, yeah. and do what you got to do, which, man, Certainly. talk about a hard job. Certainly. And here's here's the even more difficult part, and the thing that she's missing, and maybe you must, you just missed up with what you were saying there, is that you, you, you can't, it's very difficult to manipulate a manipulator. And people who, are, who, who do these things, Normally, are, she's, she's trying to manipulate her her ex by doing this extreme thing to her children. This is like a this is a not a master manipulator, but this is a manipulative person. Yes. So when you call her darling after being a bitch to her, it's like, are you, are you patronizing me? You're with me? You think you're smarter than me? You could set them off that stuff, and that's what happens when you're dealing with a guy like Manson, or you're dealing with 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 any of these serial killers who are master manipulators. When you call them like. There's this guy, Rocky Rambo, he called himself. And I'm about to do this with uh, Jordan Bonaparte from the Nighttime Podcast. We're talking about this case. And he, he nicknamed himself Rocky Rambo. And she, the interrogator, is, is a woman. And she keeps on calling him Rocky. But she's being a bitch the whole time, too. Mm. And she calls him, when she calls him Rocky, she thinks she's being endearing to him and like like uh, manipulating him by playing to like what he wants to be called. He sees right through it. Yeah. And it, it makes him angry. So when you're on, that's, that's, that's in a controlled environment where you can make a guy angry by making the wrong move or a woman making the wrong move in an interrogation room when they're, t- when they're, when they're handcuffed. This is... They're at the murder scene still, and there's a live victim that they could finish off right now. You do not want to set them off. What a dicey situation. Yeah. And every time she called her darling or sweetie right there, I cringed because I was like, oh, you're going to set this bitch off, man. Yep. Well, okay, so 
You bring up a good thing, which this will be a, a common thread as we go through these kind of calls from now on, because this is an award-winning podcast, which... Oh, now we're doing this podcast. Yeah, we're, it's uh, it's locked <laughs> and loaded, buddy. Uh, you, hook, you hooked me in. Yeah, so anyway, so we will find that uh, not only you and I, but that, that a healthy amount of criticism is applied to the 911 operators on so many of these calls. In some cases, it's totally deserved. And in other cases, it's like, man, you can't, you can't win for losing. With, no, you can't. With the public opinion. It's like being a referee, really. Like, even worse. But I, I, I honestly, I truly feel that, that this one, if I was going to give her a rating at this point in this call, at a 10, I'd be giving her a 4. Point well taken. Duly noted. Jack hates operator. <laughs> this one. Well, Mr. Luna... Also here, though, she, I, as an operator, I've set a pretty high bar. You just you got to remember, none of them are going to be me, buddy. <laughs> yeah, none of them. I got issues with all kinds of operators all, all of a sudden. All right. So we got more of this yeah. call. Is there more to this? Yeah, call? There's more. Are you ready for me to hit play? I'm ready. All right. Okay. When they get there, uh-huh. I want you to lay the knife down. Out when you get the door open, I want you to lay the knife down so they can see that you don't have any weapons. Okay, so they're, they're hurrying, honey. They're hurrying. Oh my God, she's dead. Oh my God. All right, re- really quick. Let me, let me, so men and women are not created equal when it comes to being killers. And I mean that respectfully <laughs> because statistically 15% of of those who are who who are uh, have committed homicide or murder are are women. So that leaves a healthy 85% of guys that are men. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So 85% of guys are men and 15% of women are ladies. All right. All right. Yeah. Do you know there are basically seven categories or seven motives that humans are kind of bucketed in when they commit murder? There are seven categories. Okay. So you got revenge, mm. jealousy, mm. the thrill of the kill passion you talk about well thrill like like adrenaline because passion also comes into place because uh it's actually its own category love like to kill for love right or the delusion of love you know what you believe is love right sorry i meant i meant the first three points that you you put across there almost could fall into the category of passion is all i was trying to say oh yeah okay i see what you're saying you're wrong but yes perfect i just like saying that um also, to get gain, that is obviously, you know, one category that people kill. Yep. Uh, c- for conviction or hate right. uh, is definitely a category that's there. To conceal another crime, that is another reason why people kill. Mm-hmm. Um, and then each one of those motives has its own, like, defining. They're like, you know, it gets crazy. We get all, get all scientific because each one of those categories has its own like set of defining factors when it comes to the, the offender and the victim and the offense, like the characteristics of each offense. But it, the rabbit hole gets deep on that. Self-preservation is there throughout 
on almost all of these because to kill somebody for any of the reasons you've already given and all the all the reasons you will give going forward except for self defense well and that's self preservation to a T right <laughs> it's sort of built into the word <laughs> right, yeah <laughs> you the the fact that you're you're willing to go out and if you're doing it for pleasure for pleasure if you're killing for pleasure or if you're killing for all the reasons you mentioned you're a selfish person in the first place and self-preservation will, will be locked into all of that and you got to watch out you got when, when there's self-preservation involved then you have lies and you have somebody who's going to tell you what you want to hear or whatever to, to, to get out of it I I agree I agree and yeah that that's kind of the banner over all of murder is that it's a selfish act right Absolutely. Does this draw back to what we're talking about on this nine one one call, though? So, so it does. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I I can take it, or you can take it, because I think I, I think I see where it goes. Well, go 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 right ahead. Well, with 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 the mother. So her intent in the beginning was to kill both of her children so that she can get back at her husband or or whoever he was. I don't even know if they were married. Yeah, they were married. Option A: kill the kids to get back at her husband. Option B, which I'm actually leaning more toward, is kill the kids, make it look like it was a kidnapping to get back with her husband. Right. Yes. Clear the noise. Clear the noise. Because that, to me, it's like if, if you're hoping to kill your kids in an abandoned house and that's it, and then all you have to do is play dumb... That's exactly. that plan A to Z. That's your plan. You're you had nothing else there. to do. You, you, yeah. I think you're right. I think you're entirely. Go ahead. But if you're getting back at your husband, you you you're going to kill your kids, and then it's going to, and then you're in the house. Yes. Yeah. You're not going to do it in an abandoned. You're going to do it because I think he. I think this dude, this this chick, she had a a. What's that guy who who killed his wife and child and stuffed him in a tank? What? Chris, Peter, Christopher Watts, Watts. Peter, Peter, Watts. you're Peter, way off. Pumpkin. Yeah, Chris and Peter are, are <laughs> hey, Kevin Bacon. Yeah, no, uh, Christopher Watts. <laughs> Christopher. So this gal reminds me of a Christopher Watts, where she is so driven by her her desire that she's going to do whatever she can to make her her desires come true sure. I think she's discarded her kids I think she discarded her kids a long time ago I I would th- actually there are articles that say that the the neighbor was often calling the police on that family because the household was very noisy there was a lot of arguing mm. you can tell she's very dispassionate about her kids by the way she's talking about yeah. them so yeah, it's almost like an I guess I'll help you thing. Yes. That's what's happening on the call. And to get back, it's funny how this is evolving here. It's like, uh, for me, personally, not even knowing I'm getting into this, but like that, like just... You didn't even know you were going to be part of a no podcast today. Uh, I had no idea. I just came down here to take a leak and grab some coffee. I was going back upstairs to write about Charles Manson's childhood. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, no, bra- breaking down breaking down the, the 911 operator continues... On, on what we just heard to not direct her to give any medical attention to the child continues to be combative in some way I felt like with that, especially with that last part that we listened to that the mother was doing a better job than the 911 operator was at controlling the situation I felt that she she was she was behaving in a way that was more conducive to what's best for the child than the operator herself was. I've, I continue to feel like she was kind of 
here's the thing. I'm, 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 I'm. You, you mentioned that she sounds like she's older. This nine one one operator, she does to me now too. And you, there are certain occupations where you need to get out. You can only be in for so long before you become dispassionate or um, uh, desensitized, jaded. Sure, desensitized to to the situation. She seems like she's older. She's pretty far away from her training. And she is taking this a little bit personally, and she is she has completely thrown the book at the window. Anybody could do a better better job. Anybody could do just as good of a job as her. Uh, the bitchiest person I know in my life, I could picture picture the worst person you know could do just as good of a job as what's going on right here at this point in the call. Am I, but the best operator, and I'm hoping we're going to get some better operators going down the line, will be constantly talking to her, constantly empathizing with her, constantly putting her focus on what's important here. The reason you called, you want to save your child, okay? Whatever you did, I already said this. We need to focus on the child. Get something on her neck. You cut her throat, she's bleeding out. What are we doing about that? No, I think you're onto something. And I think they're actually, the reality of this is trying to remove the emotion from this, the, the, what we're going to be dealing with, which are 911 calls. I think... 911 services had to start becoming pragmatic saying okay what are the jobs of the 911 call is it just to dispatch police or you know there almost has to be the training has gotten to the point where these people have a muscle memory like yes. they say so and I shot so and so is he dead is he breathing they're now asking these questions that that are are aiding the emergency medical services as much as the law enforcement services nowadays. Right. In 09, I mean, it, it's weird to say, but the year 2000, 93% of America had access to 911. This is 9 years later. So this is, you know, we, we I have to believe that there's still this ev- evolution. So this happened 11 years ago. So a lot a lot has maybe progressed, and I think we will find that with the calls that we're on. Well, as we move forward, I hope so. But I also think that there probably would have been much a much better operator available. Um, what I would like to see on calls like this when it's extreme, because most of the calls that they get are like, you know, probably pretty mundane for the most part. I, I would assume. Um, when there's one that's like a high end, like the like the biggest call of the the entire call service that this person is called into's um, existence, like it's a huge one, one that's going to be talked about. You have the best person available come onto the line. Just like I used to do sales, and if I had like a big fish, and and it, my manager could tell that I had them almost there, but I wasn't able to quite close, he would hop onto the line. And close it. Make sure it got closed. They need to have closers. I think that 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 is a move. Although, of course, uh, sorry, sorry, but of course, of course, they don't do that because they think that they've built up some some. Oh, rapport. Rapport. Thank you. They built that rapport, so they don't want to want to disconnect that. But in this situation, the rapport was never there. So let's build new yes. rapport with somebody else. Exactly. So I can tell you what happens in a lot of situations today is the moment they get a big fish on a 911 call, uh, the, the call becomes a tandem operation. There is one person that stays on the call to d- maintain rapport, but there are additional voices in that operator's ear uh. now to give direction and guidance because leaving it, it 
leaving it to one person is just we are all just beautiful snowflakes when it comes to being 911 operators you know some are good some aren't you know so now they're like okay we need to have a support system behind them in real time that's good that's good yeah all right so here's a quick question for you your options this is a quiz your options for this next question are one option one option two or neither of those so women predominantly kill their young children for one of two reasons they believe that death is in the best interest of the child and that's typically due to some delusion stemming from like a mental illness or a genuine fear for the child's welfare uh-huh. they would rather control that situation than have someone else do it okay. you know so most of the time that's based on a delusion though of course the second one so that's option one option two is the second um, is when the mother is intending to take her own life and couldn't bear the thought of leaving the children behind mm-hmm. believing they could not survive without her okay so so your options are option one option two or neither in this case do you think she was under a delusion that the child's best interest is their death or that she was intending to take her own life or nah neither one of those neither one of those yeah right none of this is playing out like she was going to take her own life and she says oh I felt like we were all in pain and so if if we were all in pain that I could do something about that to alleviate that pain yeah that's just trying to make herself sound better and that's what what often happens after a murder after a murder I mean pe- people will say these things that they know will make sense the The reality is, is that a lot of times when they, somebody makes like a rash decision and the rashest decision you can make is to murder somebody is that they're not thinking at all or, or they are they're, they're, they are they are sorry I'll correct myself on that they are reacting to a revenge a, maybe in this case I believe it's a revenge is the motivating factor and went too far and then pulled back once she saw her child and came to her senses begging for her life still um, I think it's I think it's a very simple thing that, that became completely convoluted or, or extreme based on the action they took to remedy to to make themselves feel better about uh, whatever they felt had 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 been done to them uh, so sorry eventually went too far pulled back I could see that so I, I'll go as far as to say this uh, the, because I think she's a liar anyway yeah I think she's a liar one of two options I think is probably the reality remember they were going through a separation and she was quote unquote heartbroken about it which makes you think she didn't instigate the separation so let's go with your revenge your your revenge idea for a second if she was an extremely abusive woman if she was abusive to her children and maybe even to her husband and we know that the household was a very loud, uh, often the calls were uh, cops were called. Maybe she was the one that was the abuser. If she's the abuser, then your then your philo- your your theory that uh, this was a revenge. She's just she was she's such a vicious person that she's like, okay, yeah, I'll really get you, I'll I'll really make you hurt. Right. All right. 
Remember Kelsey? Kelsey said that she was she wrote down somewhere or on her Facebook or something like that 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 she was looking forward to seeing her mom that day. Her mom, right. right? So that that almost alludes to the fact that they have a pretty good relationship, but at the same time, you can't trust that. What I just said it might not be entirely true. There are people who are in abusive relationships who are being abused by people who still love them very much because of their mother or their father or their significant other. They can't. There's it almost it's, it hasn't overrode that point. They haven't com- completely given up on them, or, or they don't hate them for whatever reason. Um, Consider also just as a, a added element there, if she's a manipulator, these are twelve and thirteen year old girls. So she she could be very much vilifying as a manipulating as a manipulation tactic, vilifying their father. Right. And right. they they believe her. They bought into it because they're too young to know any different. Absolutely, and it's tough to say, but yeah, wow. Well, well, men do it too. Men men turn their children against their against. It's it happens probably equally both ways. The very worst situation uh, would be that they're both doing it to each other. Ideally. And this is like an unideal, uh, not the most ideal situation. You would have one who's like, well, your mom's not the worst person. The mom's saying the dad's the worst person. And you at least have one good role model. But when you have two of them doing it, it becomes a horrible world for that child. And obviously these kids are too young. Uh, They weren't even given the chance to figure out how they're going to go their own way and how they're going to untie those ropes that their parents are wrapping around them at this point. This is. Uh, do we have more of this call? Is it, can we can we wrap this? Yeah, there's a little bit more. We'll just play this one out. How old are the children? I'm not calling you. She wants you to hurry. Wants- Honey, they are coming. They're coming as fast as they can. They're trying to be sure. Do you see them? She says they're at. She can I hear sirens. I hear them. Okay. Okay. You need to. Coming up the I know. I understand that. I want. Driveway with my hands up. Uh, she stayed. On the house, both hands up, except for one. Because on the phone. They're coming. She's she's got her hands up, except for the fact that the one that she's on the phone with. So she's out in the yard. She says she's out in the yard beside the house. All right, so after all of this, she was arrested and she was tried. She pled guilty and received a plea deal for life without the possibility of parole. How do you think you get a plea deal? In this case, I mean, uh, most of the time, don't you get plea deals because, like, you know something about somebody else and... Yeah. Like, I don't see where she's got a lot of negotiating opportunity or leverage here. Me neither. Neither do I. Neither do I. You know know what could come into play, if you have the right judge, is that she still has a a surviving child. And um, from what I'm reading here that you have... Is that the child's? They she was still in contact with them after this happened and apologized to them, apologized to the father, yes. and apologized to Kelsey, who was the, her surviving child. <clears throat> Maybe as a mother that comes into play. Maybe it would be a little bit different if uh, they had both died. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think you're right. Maybe the, uh, I think in this case the judge would be thinking, "Hey, let's not put the 
surviving daughter through the horror of a trial because she's right. witness number one. Yes. You know. So yes, you're right. So she did. She she pled guilty. She got life in prison without the possibility of parole. After the sentencing, Lee Jeter said that he talked to his wife and he said that she told him that she still hated him, but that she was sorry for everything that had happened. Yeah, cool. Wow. Hey, it happens. Yeah. Yeah, I still hate you, buddy. Oh, boy, I hate you, but oh. sorry for killing our kid. Yeah, yeah, apologies. Apologies about that. He also said that uh, his daughter shared a few lighthearted moments with her mom during which they talked la- talked, and laughed, but he said that will never happen again outside of the prison walls. I hope they never visit her again, man. You know, that's just... Uh, I hear you, I hear you. I, I've, been, I've been softening my heart to things like this. It's easy to look at it from the outside and just see the the bare facts and be like, you know, f- that shit. screw screw the mom, let let her rot. The daughter should completely, you know, disassociate herself from her and all that. But you got to think about the, about the daughter too. And there's there's a lot to be said about forgiveness and about about evolving. Um, eh, God, it's a dirty situation. But you, you do, in the end, you, you need to take whatever good you can out of, out, of, out of anything. And if it's up to the daughter, if she wants that, that's great. What I hate to think is that she's still under some kind of spell by her mother. She still needs to be in contact with her, seeing her as a mom and not as the murderer of her sister and her attempted murderer herself. And uh, can't see clearly all the reasons why she might have done this and is still in conversation with her where she is being manipulated by her in some way. Can you imagine her and her mom 20 years from now on the phone or even 10 years from now on the phone having an argument about something? Well, you bring up a good point. We've talked about human nature and that we as humans have failures and flaws. And I guess in this case, maybe the jury's out on as children, we seem to love our parents way beyond where it's realistic. Yeah, they're gods. But is that a human... Yeah, is that a uh, is that a strength of the human spirit or is it a flaw? I guess, you know, yeah. remains to be seen. Well, it's up to us each individually how we handle that. Far too often we, we continue to be manipulated by them, regardless of all the horrible things they've done because we're a better person and we let them get away with, with certain things and we end up tied up with them for our whole lives and when they finally pass away or they finally step over that line we're like, man, we just waste, I just wasted you know, 10 years where if I had to cut it off earlier, they would have evolved more, they wouldn't have been able to be enabled to continue to do their manipulative shit um, <clears throat> so it's up to them, all the best all the best. Do you have something to palate cleanse this? Can we do one more? Or, or this this went on for a while. Can you play me one quick call that's that's maybe uh, uh, like a palate cleanser? Yes. You pl- you play some fun ones sometimes. Some ones that tear me up a little bit. Well, on this award winning podcast, what you'll be getting is you'll get some sweet and sour. So we'll hit you with the sour, and then we're gonna try to always end things on a happier note. Oh, so it's almost like I knew it was coming. Like I'm almost involved in the podcast. This is this is really evolving naturally. Super, super weird. It's uncanny, actually. Now that you think about it, well, let me set this one up just for a second. I'll set I'll set up what's go- what what you're about to hear. So there's a five year old girl. Are you scared yet? I'm just trying to pour a drink here. 
All right, well. It was a five-year-old girl. Now I'm used to it. Yeah, gosh, it should not be. Five-year-old girl in this case, she actually saves her father's life. And she talked She talked to the 911 dispatcher when she thought her father was having a heart attack. All right, let it rip. So, so we got a kid We got a kid in a 911 call? Yes. Mm, sounds terrible. But okay, let's do it. You ready for me to hit play? I'm ready. Here we go. 911. One. Hello? 911. Hold on. Excuse me? One. Are you there? One. One. Three. Three. Four. 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 What's wrong? What, what's wrong? Um, my dad can't hardly breathe. Okay, hold on a second, okay? Okay. How old are you? I'm five years old. Okay, what's your name? Savannah. Okay, Savannah, hold on. I'm getting them dispatched, okay? Okay. You need to come real fast. Okay, Savannah, I have them on the way. Is your daddy still awake? Yeah. Okay. Is your front door unlocked, Savannah? Uh, is the front door unlocked? No. Okay, Savannah, can you go unlock that front door for me? Sure. Okay. Okay, we need to don't worry, Ed. They got stuff. Okay. Okay, Savannah, is the door unlocked? Uh, Jesus. All right. So this one, this one, I'm just going to make a couple comments here really quick. And then I think we just, this, that we just let this little girl be the hero and, and walk us out on this episode. But let me ask you, let me ask you here. Do you, do you think you've raised your kids right now? Like, have you raised your kids to know what to do in an emergency? So, like, let's say you just keeled, you just keeled over in the house. Do your kids know what to do? You know, uh, the uh, absolute honest answer is no. <clears throat> and the thing is, is that I've, I've made them feel like, you know, I got it. I got yeah. it. I got it. And what this little girl has done so far, it's obvious that she's had to take control in other situations, possibly. Sometimes there's a lot of bad parents out there that'll act like really proud about how independent they've made their children. <clears throat> and the independence that they bestowed upon them is not intentional. They put them in situations where they've had to um, find that independence because of some sort of neglect. I haven't put any neglect on my kids. I've completely been in control and showed them that everything's going to be okay. And yeah. so my my answer is no, and uh, right right, uh, and uh, I'll 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 change that. I I have to agree with you there. My answer is not enough for sure. I mean, we have safe word, you know. We have like uh, like we've said, Daddy, stop. <laughs> not that kind. Jeez, Louise. No, we have like safe word. Like, hey, if I kill. <laughs> That just hurt my heart a little. That's hard to do. Ah, after all I've been through, I feel a little bruised. I'm sorry. I know. But. Okay. <laughs> the, no, what I mean is the safe word that we have. Like if if we had to send someone to go pick, pick up a kid, 
that kid knows that you don't talk or or go with someone unless this particular word is spoken by that person. And we've made it very hard. I, I was listening to something just recently, and the killer was like, "Well, obviously the safe word's unicorn, because the girls got unicorns all over." And you know, I think a lot of parents are like, "What's a word that our kid will easily remember?" You know, mm-hmm. well, what's their favorite animal? Horsey. You know, so and, and it's like written on their shirt almost mm-hmm. like. Just ask me what this word is, and I'll go with you. Right. So we've made it very hard. Ours is Magna Carta. <laughs> I don't like that, and I'll tell you real quick why. And I'd love to get back to this: is that a safe word could happen, like in in a crisis situation where someone's holding a gun down you, or there's there's a stranger involved. The same way, like a bank. You know, there's certain cues that they throw at each other that that, that seem natural that the robber won't pick up on. I would make it something more like they swear because you're not allowed to swear in the house. Oh. But then you, the, the the person who's doing a, an act upon you would not know what the rules are in the house. So it's something like shit. Like, and, and he'd be like, oh, look, yes. you're raising your kids. So that, that would be the cue. Or I swear at them. I like that. And I never swear at them. Right. So, so yes, uh, sort of like that, that tactic, like if, if you... Your wife knows you well enough, let's say. So you give her a call and the gun is at your head and you're like, I'm just coming back from the airport. Yeah. And she's like, you're not at the airport. Right. You know, yes. something so that she would know what's going well, on. Well, back to the swearing thing, because I swear around my my, my uh, fiance all the time. Uh, like I would say friggin. And the person who I'm dealing with would not know that I, that, that I would never say friggin. But... Right. But she knows. Or sorry, he would think that it's something that maybe I would say, but she she knows. That. Why is he saying friggin'? Exactly. Hey, no, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That, that's a good idea. So I guess uh, for the listener, the moral to this story is if you're listening to this, hoping that we were going to give you some tips and tricks on how to prepare your kids, you came to the wrong place. Friggin' the wrong place. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Let's just, let's, uh, you know, we're going to cover your heart in happiness now. We're going to let Savannah take out the, Please, the yeah. rest of the time yeah. on this. D- just Daddy, start. Fill your ears. Here we go. Okay, Savannah, is the door unlocked? Uh, yes. Okay, has your daddy ever had problems like this before? Uh, what? Has, has your daddy ever had this problem before? Yes. Okay, has he been sick? Uh, no. Okay, is he still awake? Yes. Okay, Savannah, just make sure, just try to keep him awake, okay? Yeah. Okay, I have him on the, I have the ambulance on the way. Okay. Just, I'm going to keep you on the phone, okay? Okay. We're in our jamming and we're trying to go to bed, but... Can't hardly breathe. Okay. Is, is, can he talk to you? Um, Dad, can you talk to me? Okay. Yes. Okay. Tell him the ambulance is on the way. The ambulance are on the way. All right, Savannah, just stay on the line with me, okay? Okay. Stay calm, Dad. I know you haven't had oxygen before, but... Are you there, Savannah? Yeah, I'm still on the phone. Okay. Just, uh... Just let me know and keep him awake, okay? Okay. You have to stay awake. But just tell him the ambulance is on the way, so they'll be there here in a minute. Okay. Um, they'll be here in just a minute. The ambulance are on the way, okay? 
Just let me know. He really needs oxygen. He really needs oxygen? Yeah, real bad. Real bad? Okay, yeah. well, they're on the way with it, so they'll be there here in a minute. I'm just going to keep you on the line. Okay. Tell me if he falls asleep or anything, all right? Okay. Is he still awake? Yeah. Okay. And did you say he's been sick or anything? Um, have you been sick? No. Can you ask him if this has ever happened before? Has this ever happened? No. So far, so good. He's still awake. Hey, ask him if he has any kind of chest pain. Do you have any chest pain? Yes. Okay. This is his first time. Okay. I got him on the way, so... Okay. We're in our jammies. And I'm in a TikTok, so I'll have to get dressed. Okay. I know what I'm going to wear, but he really needs oxygen real fast. Yes, the door's unlocked. Okay. You tell me when you can hear the ambulance, all right? Okay. I'm sorry, Dad, Dad. You're doing a good job, Savannah. Okay. Um, His name is Frank. His name is Frank? Oh, you're doing a good job, all right, Savannah? Just stay on the phone. Okay. We should be getting there any minute. Okay. Like how many minutes? Uh, probably only a couple. They're on the way. Just make sure your daddy's probably on. Um, okay, you have to stay awake. They'll be in a couple minutes. I can hear them. You can hear them. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna keep you on the line till they get in the house. All right. Okay. Okay, Dad. It's okay. So you still doing okay, Savannah? Yeah, he's okay. Okay. I'll be I'll be in my room and I'll be putting on. Um, say, so Savannah, I want you to stay there with your daddy, okay? Okay. I need you to make sure that he stays awake, so. Okay. I got that. And we have a dog that's really, um, small. So he's friendly? He's friendly. Okay. He kind of barks. He kind of barks? That's all right, though. No, come on. Family, it's on... Come on, Lolo. Come here. Hi. Come here. Is your dad okay still? Yeah. Okay. So far, so good. Okay, Lolo. Turn me all right. Is he still awake, Savannah? Yeah, he's oh. still awake. Okay. The animal should be getting there any time. Okay. And he looks like he's real shaky. Hold on, Savannah, okay? Okay. Is, is the fireman there, Savannah? Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, they're here. All right, so they're, they're in the house now? No. Okay. I see the red light. All right, Savannah, just tell me when they get in the house, okay, and I'll disconnect with you. Okay. I am real shaky, too, so. You're, you're real shaky, too? Yeah, well, they're, because. They're there to help your daddy, so don't be scared, okay? Okay. Are, are they there? Okay. Hey, Savannah, you did a good I job, okay? All right, Savannah, you did a good job. It's okay, Daddy. I'm gonna go put. Okay, my I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and disconnect. Okay. Yeah. The 911 Calls podcast is an 11:59 media production, hosted by the operator and his junior assistant to the operator, Mr. Luna. Produced by the operator and supported by friends like you.
help us keep the lights on by supporting us on Patreon, gossiping about the show, and throwing us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. Until the next call, hugs. Hugs.